Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host, Christian Conway. Much like the spring equinox, I'm happy for the longer days, and I'm happy we're one day closer to the season opener. That was perfect. The spring season, the 26th MLS season, it's happening, and we are here to preview it all. If you work uh, 40 hours a week like I do... I hope that Christian and I can bring you all the soccer news you need right here. So if you don't already follow us, uh, catch us on Twitter. I'm MC Hootink, and Christian, tell them your... Uh, I'm at TransPants121, um, and I'm on Instagram at CConway12 if you want to look at my life through photos, which is not very interesting in general, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and we are simply soccer underscore pod. So you can find us. Um, I, I especially, Christian, because like I said, I've been working so much. Your tweets helped me keep up on what was going on with the U.S. men's national team Olympic qualifiers. Yeah, so it's been an interesting two games because the first game, Costa Rica probably was the better team in that game. I think Costa Rica, uh, the, the, the manager came out and said, look, you know, we felt we were the better team. We felt we deserved more out of the game than we got. I think He's got a very fair point there. Um, but in the second game, you know, the United States really kind of looked slow and looked it, it, plotting is the word I'd use. Uh, but they figured out a way to get it done after adding, you know, Georgia Mihailovic and allowing the, uh, uh, the attacking uh, wingbacks to get into, get into the attack. I think this is an interesting kind of situation in terms of this tournament for really everyone involved. Because if you think about it, there hasn't been a competitive match in CONCACAF for, I believe, John Strong said... 426 days uh, when the United States and Costa Rica kicked, uh, kicked off in, in Guadalajara uh, on Wednesday. That's a long time to not have any competitive matches. And I think, you know, I think we saw in the game against Costa Rica, you know, Costa Rica was very smart in terms of picking out what the United States wanted to do in terms of the attack, which is have Jackson Ueli as the number six. That was kind of this distributing number six that anchored the midfield. And they stepped to him and made it really hard for him to operate. Uh, but it also did look like there was a lot of rust. I mean, you look at both teams, both teams had opportunities in the first 15 minutes or so where players playing it out of the back just didn't know what to do because there wasn't that 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 sense of connection and those sense of reps and that the, the, the time needed to kind of form that ability. Uh, you know, Jesus Ferreira goes off the bar in the third minute against Costa Rica. I can't remember who had the opportunity for Costa Rica in about the 11th minute against the United States. Um, and, and then Ochoa and goal for the United States was absolutely brilliant. It's, it, by the way, as someone who's followed international soccer for as long as I have, it is very weird knowing on the American side of the American-Mexico rivalry to now have an Ochoa in our goal when I'm so used to Ochoa and an Ochoa in the Mexican goal. Um, <laughs> a little bit strange. But uh, I, I think, you know, the squad rotated pretty aggressively against the Dominican Republic. I think there, that serves two purposes. One, um, it, there is no quarterfinal. It's immediately into the semifinal. You win the semifinal, you go to the Olympics. Therefore, yellow card accumulation becomes a concern. Exhaustion becomes a concern. You want your starting eleven to be as fresh as possible going into that semifinal. I get why they did it against the Dominican Republic, but you know the Dominican Republic, for for what it's worth, were absolutely fantastic in, in, in the game against the United States. And I know you know the four 0 scoreline is is going to be the one that everyone points to, but also keep in mind, you know, this is a team that really frustrated Mexico, and I believe. It, it is it is my opinion that Mexico is probably the best team in this tournament right now. Um, that you know they they frustrated Mexico pretty significantly, and it, and it took a, a pretty inspired performance from Cordova 
to really get them over the line. And so, you know, did the United States look particularly slow in that first half? I think so. I think, you know, as I tweeted out, it's, it's, it's amazing when, what happens when you pull out a number six for a number 10 and allow him to create off the wing and allow your fullbacks to get into the attack. It's amazing what happens. That's weird. It think good things happen to you. Um, you know, I think Julian Araujo in that game, and, and, and also, I mean, you know, obviously we have a vested interest with Julian Araujo playing for the United States in, in that game, and I think he looked good. I think he look, looked a little shackled by what Jason Christ wanted to accomplish. Um, but I think outside of that, you know, the United States has done what I think it's failed to do in previous Olympic qualifying tournaments, which is it's getting the job done, right? Like that's, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be sexy. Would it be nice? Yeah, I'd love, I, you know, I'd love to be like Brazil and just, playing tiki taka and passing it around and, you know, Jogo Bonito and all the rest of that. Would that be cool? Yeah, it'd be great. But at the end of the day, we have six points. We're going to the semifinal. That's what matters. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you say all that just, you know, really brings it to playing, playing time is important. Like we were talking about. Um, I'm, I'm really glad to see that. Well, they're getting challenged, you know, because that that's what it seems like needs to, to happen, I mean, especially not just from like you know the PTSD of uh, qualifiers past, but just also you just you know as a fan, you want to see that that they have the heart, that they really are, you know, competitive. Yeah, and I think what's what's you know again this I think if you are looking for some overarching you know. Um, meta narrative of this Olympic qualifying tournament, I would urge you not to look at that um, because they're, this is a team that is built up of players that are, because the Olympic qualifying tournament is not considered an official FIFA date. Clubs are not obligated to release their players. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think any European club is going to release their players anyway, considering, you know, coronavirus restrictions in terms of travel. I get it. Um, it's the reality of the world we live in. Like, I mean, I, would I love to see Christian Pulisic, Yunus Musa, and, and Gio Reyna on this team? Yeah, I'd love to because they're all eligible. But... The reality is, were they ever going to get released? No, of course they weren't. Um, so this is a team that is made up of MLSers that are clearly still in preseason, that are clearly still not match fit, and they're doing their best, and they're getting it done. And it's like, you know, I think a lot of people went into this this tournament thinking that, you know, the United States was going to make some stylistic, you know, they were going to plant their flag in the ground and were going to make some stylistic statement about like how the United States is going to be going moving forward. It was like, look at this roster. There's no way they were going to do that. You know, like, I love... You know, Sebastian Soto, but he's still very young in his development. I mean, Jackson Ueli, he was good in this game. But again, I'm not sure I see exactly what everyone else sees in him. You know, Jesus Ferreira, Mm -hmm. still very young, still very precocious. Only got really his first real full professional season with FC Dallas this past year. And like, it's just, you know, this this is a very precocious young team that is still very inexperienced. And... You know, they got to the semifinal. They have to win you know, one more game. They can lose to Mexico, and I, I, I fully predict they're going to lose to Mexico on Wednesday night. I think not through any fault of their own. I think it's just Mexico's the best team in this tournament right now, and I think that squad rotation is going to be valued a little bit more in that last game. Um, I still don't think Jason Christ understands what his best 11 is, and I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think it's just that players haven't really latched on the way that he was hoping they were going to latch on. Um but as long as they win that semifinal, then does this all matter? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. as long as they 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 punch their ticket to Tokyo, then th- this is going to be such a different team that goes to Tokyo than than this team is right now. So I think, you know, all that matters is that semifinal win. And you know, they'll either play Canada, who I thought in their first game looked incredibly impressive. They'll be playing this afternoon, I believe, three o'clock. 
Um, they're a team to watch. It's a very good, young, precocious team. I mean, you talk about the likes of Zachary Bronkiliard in defense. He's been brilliant. Um, Marcelo Coutinho and, and Derek Cornelius in, in the heart of defense as well. They've been fantastic. Uh, but then you also look at that forward line. K. John Buchanan, who had a first game <laughs> season with the New England Revolution last year, um, was, was absolutely incredible in their first game. Um, and then you've got Balu Tabla, and, and who, of Barcelona, uh, pedigree. Theo Bear, he's kind of become a bit of a breakout star in Vancouver. Um, that could be waiting for them on the other side of the bracket. So my hope is that they lose the first this next game so we don't have to play them in that semifinal <laughs> because my preference is to play Honduras just because it's a little bit of a younger team. It's a little bit less experienced. Um, and, and it also, we will have to come to terms with the fact that uh, finally the Great North has awoken and Canada is actually going to be a pretty good national team in about two years' time. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the game, the only thing that matters right now is winning that semifinal. That, like, that's it. They don't have to make any kind of declarations about stylistic intent and all the rest of that. I think Jason Christ is playing each game as a must-win. Or, like, Jason Christ isn't trying to create some overarching framework that, you know, Greg Bearhalter is necessarily doing. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I think if you look at, you know, the Mexico game, probably a game where they're going to give some reps to some maybe less favored players, try to figure out their best starting 11 going into the semifinal. And then, you know, I think, I think there's probably about three positions on this team right now where there's questions. And I think the Mexico game is going to be probably the final test for that, those positions. I think center back is an open question. I think they don't really know exactly what their best midfield balance is. And goalkeeper is still an open question, even though I think Ochoa really earned it against Costa Rica. Um, So we'll see what happens, but it's just, you know, it's all about that semifinal. You know, Wednesday night is going to be really, um, can't wait to see it, actually. Um, how long, is, like, how long uh-huh. has it been since we played Mexico in a competitive match? I mean, I don't care if it's under 24. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, that rivalry, you know. Um, I was going to look and see when, when, what time. Oh, here, it's on Fox Sports. Um, and it's, well, you can get it on Fubo TV for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um, quickly, mm -hmm. I do want to shout out that Dominican Republic side because I think the, you know, they're going to finish last in the group. Unfortunately, you know, I I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're going to be at Costa Rica. I just having seen what I've seen from Costa Rica. Also, I mean, you look at the team that Costa Rica has with, you know, some some uh, MLS touch stains like Marvin Loria, uh, Randolio and Luis Diaz. I just think they're too good for the Dominican Republic. But I will say, you know, this is really interesting. You know, Dominican Republic's 150th, or not 150, 124th ranked in the world. This is their first major international tournament at any level. And so, like, I, I think, you know, they named the youngest squad in the tournament. They, you know, the, the, the starting 11 against the United States had about, I believe it was six teenagers um, in that roster. And they, for 45 minutes, really played the United States dead even. And I, I think... You know, it's a it's an exciting indication that the efforts that Concacaf has done to, I don't know if level the playing field is the right word, but to allow you know kind of these smaller nations to be competitive and to have these moments. I think it was it was really it was really stressful as a U.S. fan for forty five minutes, but um, you know, kind of looking back on it and and reflecting on it all, I'm I it was uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm really it's really kind of cool and it's exciting to see these, these smaller nations get their moments. And, 
I'm, I'm excited to, to see the future of it, you know? Yeah, and the game's at 9.30 p.m., so I'll actually be off work in time to watch it. Or the late kickoff. Yes, I mean, it is late. <laughs> Take a nap, guys. <laughs> this, is, this is the showpiece event for, for CONCACAF, regardless of at any level. Um, and I, 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 I want to be confident in the U.S. at this point, but I mean, everything I've seen from Mexico indicates to me that this is going to be an uphill battle. Um, but it, look, I mean, this U.S. team is, is, has gotten some, some great performances out of you know, guys like Sam Bynes, who you know, maybe wasn't as, as, as fashionable as or as favored, I guess fashionable is probably not the right word, as favored as he was in previous years. I mean, he's been brilliant at the outside back position. I think Julian Araujo, I don't, I wouldn't call it a vintage Julian Araujo performance against the Dominican Republic, but I don't think a lot of people had vintage performances, quote unquote. Uh, but I think he's starting to make that outside back position his. I mean, you look at uh, Jackson Uelli, uh, you know, I, I've long been a detractor of his, but I think he he's at least having a decently good tournament. I mean, Jordi Mihailovic off the wing, Gone almost in this weird Pavone-esque role of being a winger creator at number 10. Uh, looks fantastic against the Dominican Republic. Uh, Jonathan Lewis has been brilliant in this tournament. Jesus Ferreria has shown moments. I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more of Sebastian Soto, um, but I think he's going to get there. Benji Mich- uh, Michelle has been absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, Hassani Dotson, I mean, took the game by the scruff of its neck, uh, you know, yes, or, uh, yesterday. So I think there's a lot of good parts here. I just don't know if necessarily they have the right coach to bring that all together and definitely and we'll be bringing you well we'll see what happens on wednesday night we'll review it for sure no definitely <laughs> yeah uh, i mean we are talking on julian araujo should we go into the galaxy first or do you want to dig into i think uh, i think we should go for it <laughs> all right yeah so um araujo is who i got on my community kit and because I think he's going places, which also means he's probably not going to stay with Galaxy come summer, is what we're thinking. Yeah, I I would be surprised if he lasts the summer. Um, I think he is at a point in his development where I think probably Europe is his best option in terms of continuing to develop. But I mean, you look at what... Uh, excuse me, what uh, Greg Vanny did in Toronto with a lot of young, talented players, he made them even better. So maybe, you know, maybe he figures out how to, you know, him and Greg Vanny have this rapport and he becomes, you know, he learns from Greg Vanny in a way that maybe other managers haven't been able to get out of him. But I think what's interesting about Julian Araujo, and, and, and this is what I stressed at the end of last season, especially when we did the Megapod, and I believe, um, I can't remember who I was talking with about this, but, um, my my big complaint about Julian Araujo was that it's very easy to bait him into stupid mistakes. It's very easy to bait him into red cards. It's very easy to bait yeah. him into yellow cards because because he wants to be the big dog on the field, which you know I I, I respect that. I think that and he's young. You know, he's, yeah, he's <laughs> and young. inexperienced. I mean, he's got if I, he's got a fire in him. I was in that position. I do the exact same thing. But you know, at least from the the outings I've seen so far with the Olympic qualifying team, and I know that's a very different context. And it's only you know two games, and I get it. Um, it. It looks like he's calmer, if that makes sense. Like it looks like he's just a little bit more settled, and I think that's mm. you know a very good thing for him. And I think that was kind of the big, the big question moving forward with him was that you know can he settle down? And I think he looks a little bit more mature. He looks a little bit more you know comfortable in his body. He looks a little bit less, you know, less fiery. Um, I, I I think that's a big step forward for him. And and you look at 
all the things he's done off the field with his humanitarian work and mm-hmm. for example posting up about you know if you oh if you got a community kit with the wrong number i'm willing to refund it and change it you know like those are things that indicate to me that he's taken a big step forward in one of the intangible things which is maturity and i think that's going to be the, the story of the season is that you know how does that hold up over 36 games you know how does that step forward manifest itself over the entire season and I was thinking, too, maybe he can make his way back to the galaxy at some point, well, you know, depending where he's at and where the galaxy is. Uh, I definitely think, I, you know, I mean, just, just as a galaxy fan, you're, when somebody's that young, like 19, you know that you, they're not really going to stick, right? I mean, if you look at our, our new signings, like uh, Grant Sears, 24, Victor Vasquez is 34 years old, um, not only for the national team, but... But for the Galaxy, you know, you want these youthful guys. But when you have them at 19, you know that still in our soccer world, even though MLS is developing and, like you were saying, like a lot of these international guys are actually MLSers, um, it, he still has to has to go on with his career, you know. Um, and Europe is still, still the ticket for that. So, you know, that said... Um, I definitely think, like like you're saying, I mean, he's already growing and maturing. Imagine imagine what Europe would do for him. You know, imagine what that would do for, for the U.S. national team. Um, I, I, I definitely, uh-huh. I will, I will urge that, you know, just because you can go to Europe doesn't mean you necessarily should. And I think, you know, especially right. for a player like Julian Araujo, it's got to be about the right setup. And I think in his, the, the place where he is right now in his development, I think that would be utterly critical. You know, I think... I don't know necessarily if I see him at a top five side in a top five league, like a Christian Pulisic or a, you know, Eunice Musa or sure. Gio Reyna. Maybe Bruce Dortmund would be a good fit, but I don't see Dortmund needing outside back depth the way that Julian Araujo would provide. But I could see him easily at a mid-tier, you know, Bundesliga side. And, that, and that's not necessarily a dig at anyone. It's just, I, you know, I think we got so obsessed with the concept of having our best players go to Europe under the Klinsman era that a lot of players went to setups that didn't work for them. And I think now we're starting to understand that, you know, it's not necessarily about just going to a European club that automatically will make you better than someone in MLS. It's about, for sure. it's about the right setup. And I really hope that, you know, Araujo looks long and hard about the setup that he ends up at and ends up at a setup that is, is beneficial for him. Where he gets playing time. Because that is the biggest, the biggest thing. I mean, you look at somebody like Jordan Morris, who, you know, we were like, oh, we should have gone when he was younger, and then finally makes it over, sees, and then unfortunately, you know, he's he's already got uh, uh, injury history, so you know, his his season is is done, and he's only twenty six years old. So you know, from nineteen to twenty six, like Araujo, if he's gonna, like you're saying, if he's gonna do this, he's got to be able to be sure that it's it's the right support, the right, and he gets playing time. Um, because that's what, that's what I think we U.S. fans are just really worried about, that they're just going to go sit and be bench warmers. You know, even somebody like Pulisic, who, you know, you're just like, what? You know, you want to see more of him on the pitch because yeah, you know pl- what they're capable of. Yeah, the Pulisic situation is a little weird, too, because yeah. Frank Lampard relied on him aggressively, and then Thomas Tuchel comes in and... and- relegates him to the bench, but he and Thomas Tuchel have worked together before at, at, at Dortmund. So it's, that's kind of, uh, Pulisic's situation is, is a little bit different than I think any other national team or situation just mm-hmm. simply because of the pressures of what Chelsea is. Um, 
than necessarily a lot of the other rising stars of the program in, in terms of where they are. I think I, Chelsea's just this weird melange of excellent players that, you know, it's easy to explain why, why Pulisic is coming off the bench consistently. Um, but yeah, I think with Araujo, it's, I, I, I had heard Tottenham rumored um, based off my contention, my, my uh, contempt for Jose Mourinho. I really hope he doesn't go there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I could easily see him in the Bundesliga and I think it would be successful. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, like you'll definitely have to see uh, what's to come. But I mean, it, you, what he does for the community here, um, it's it. He's a he's a rising star. I mean, there, there's no question. I mean, there's a reason that he's very deeply involved with the Galaxy's branding this season. You know, like mm-hmm. there's there's a reason that they've attached their flag to him, and I I I understand why. Yeah, and I think with some time um, and some development, I, I could see him being wearing a, a captain's banner or taking on leadership roles. You know, I really do. Yeah, I think there's no question that 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 if he if he remains in a galaxy kit for longer than a year, then that's if you know Jonathan DeSantos moves on or something like that, then, then mm-hmm. I I would consider him you know I would consider him from the captaincy in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um... You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to push out Jonathan Dos Santos or, or trying to keep Araujo in a in a Galaxy kit per se. But I mean, we have seen uh, player development. You know, with with the Galaxy, I think I think if he did want to stay a little longer, there'd be no harm in that either. Yeah, I, and I think what's interesting about kind of this this weird shift in the Galaxy's mindset, um, and, and we saw it in those, in those the, the weird, it was like two 60-minute periods against the Loyal uh, in midweek, was that, I mean, I understand that there's some squad depletion just considering the fact that there's international call-ups and it's Olympic qualifying, and, you know, the United States men's national team is convening in Austria right now, and, and uh, Mexico is convening as well. I do not know exactly where. Um, that there's... There is it. It feels like finally that, that they're leaning into this concept of we have an we have this talent in our backyard. Why aren't we not you know mm-hmm. using it? I mean, you look at the lineups that they that they at least put out for the, the scrimmage against the loyal. I don't know exactly um, if they changed anything or you know they they didn't provide a ton of updates in terms of uh, in terms of uh uh roster changes yeah. and and substitutions and stuff like that but i mean you look at it i mean you know, they got started Cuevas, they started Saldana, they started you know Cameron Dunbar thank god uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dunbar there finally, he is finally he is freed um Jonathan Perez and and From indoor Williams. scrimmage yeah yeah anyway in, in those friendly in those, yeah in those games they started young and i think this is an opportunity Greg Benny is giving these these kids an opportunity to prove that they Greg Benny's giving them more of an opportunity than I think they've ever gotten to prove that they deserve to be in the starting 11 in, or in the, in, in the game day 23. You know, I think uh, out of all the players that probably took their advantage the most based off what I can tell um, is probably um, Jonathan Perez, um, just simply because he, was, you know, he scored the goal. And, and, and uh, from the limited footage I've been able to find, he looked pretty, uh, pretty attacking. Um, so, you know, I, I'm excited for this because it does feel like the Galaxy are going younger. And I mean, you know, with... Julian Araujo leading that younger core. It's, it's an exciting time to be around the galaxy. Yes, the I'm looking here at the the preseason scheduling, and Saturday, March 27th at 7 p.m. 
the Galaxy are hosting New England Revolution at the Diggity. So I believe that's um, going to be televised as well. It's the third preseason scrimmage. I mean, the the, the refs are are going to give the, the Galaxy a a run for their money. I think. I mean, it's just preseason, and you know, we always say, oh, it's hard to see what we can get from these games. Maybe they don't really mean anything or, you know, um, well, I mean, what, it, we still, we still have all the way till April 18th before we have been, uh, play Miami. So it, it seems like a long ways away, but the, to me, this is, a, this is like, you're saying like, get into shape, like get fit, like show that, that you're going to be ready. Yeah. You know? I think, I think, the revs are in a very different position than the galaxy right now. I think the revs are starting to enter an MLS cup, possibility window i wouldn't call them i wouldn't call them almost cup favorites but i would say you know their <laughs> their their window is opening and ours is still kind of under construction if that makes sense like mm-hmm. the the galaxy as presently constituted i don't think anyone would really fool into thinking that they're almost cup contenders uh but again you know 2020 was a weird year 2021 is continuing it on the vein um i think with this galaxy team the way that it is presently constituted, the fact that, you know, some of the critical parts of it, Sebastian Legette, Efron Alvarez, uh, uh, Julian Araujo, and, and, and Jonathan Dos Santos, all, you know, with their respective national team setups, I don't know necessarily if there's a ton to read into that because I think those are critical spaces to plug in. I think also that there is um, some betting in that some new players have to do. I mean, you talk about Grand Seer, you talk about Neil Fisher, you talk about Victor Vasquez, Derek Williams, Derek Williams still recovering from injury. Um, you know, th- there still has to be some betting in to do. And I mean, obviously they've been linked uh, recently with uh, Kevin Cabral from uh, uh, Valsiance in, in France. I probably mispronounced that. I apologize. Um, it seems to be a running theme on this podcast, me butchering French. Um, yeah, we're not doing it on purpose. No disrespect. Like, <laughs> I just never studied French. Um, I did. And I still, uh, <laughs> he looks to be somewhat of a talent. He's 21 years old, uh, 52 appearances for Valsiance, eight goals. Um, this season he's played, uh, let me pull up my numbers. He's played, uh, 29 appearances this season in Ligue 2, um, seven goals, five assists. So it seems like this season is his first kind of full professional year. Came out of the PSG Academy, which has actually turned out some very good players over the past couple of years. Uh, he's been 93% in the starting 11 for them. Uh, so they've been relying on him. Uh, it would be a really good signing if we could get it done. I think looking at just the numbers I have and I, you know, I'm not necessarily well versed in, in the second division of, of French soccer, but it, it seems to be kind of a uh, an even fit. I think he would he would he would succeed here very well. And you know, Greg Vanny has this weird ability to find players and kind of get the most out of them. Uh, you know, you look at Victor Vasquez, for example, and bringing him back. But when he first came to Toronto, you know, he was he was unfavored at Cruz Azul. Uh, you know, had a rough couple of seasons there, and then you know turns into one of the best attacking midfielders in the league. And, you know, you could argue got a little bit too greedy when he went to Qatar. Um, but that was back in the time when Qatar was throwing money at any decent player and basically saying, please come play in our league. You know, we're hosting the world cup in a couple of years time. We got to, right. we got to figure this thing out. Um, but Greg Benny has this weird talent of, of doing that, of, of, of finding these kind of unfavored, very talented players with, you wouldn't expect to find and, and, and bringing them in and making them good. And I think he did that with, with Juvinko. I mean, Juvinko was having a rough time at Juventus. Um, I think probably Juventus was a little bit of a step too high for Juvinko. Um, through no fault of his own. I mean, if a, cl- a club in Italy, Juvinko, or uh, excuse me, 
for any club in Italy, if Juventus comes with the checkbook, you're going to sign, you know, you're going to make the deal happen, right? Because just they can throw on a vast amount of money around. So I hope that this is one of those, and also with Grand Sierra as well, you know, all the numbers I've seen indicate to me that this could be a very big, you know, coup for the Yellow Galaxy that, that Vanny could get the most out of him. And, and we, we already had one really good French winger pass through our ranks. Why not have two of them on the same team, right? Um, yeah, uh, Grand Sears, uh highlights really got me excited. I was like, yes, like that's, that's, I look, the, the midfield is crowded, but also you could call it depth. Right. Um, just just to be able to see that, you know, that that he can score goals like that and get in there like that's that's what you're looking for. Actually, that's what I feel like the Galaxy have kind of been missing just because Los Santos has had injuries and that's not really his fault, you know, and like legit has has those sparks. Um, but, you know, I, of course, the Galaxy still need the forward because my, my notes also say not just depth, but money and, you know, the galaxy still still need that that striker and i mean you don't want to become predictable where your goals are coming from the mid but you know right now what what options i mean again it's a little early but it it's coming fast because they're going to spend a week in in arizona starting on april 2nd so it's like there isn't really much you know all the fans are looking and they're like well what what moves are the galaxy going to make how are they going to get this roster where you feel solid about it, where you feel like, okay, I, I, you know, if we're all, once they start allowing fans at April 1st, I don't know, I'm not ready to go back. But imagine if we were all at the diggity and then they're like, you know, oh, you know, everybody, Julian, and everybody's, oh, like, I want to be able to know who, who we're cheering for. You know what I mean? <laughs> I get that. And I think Greg Vanny was very explicit when he gave his last kind of, public press conference, which I'm trying to remember when that was, uh, the month of March has flown on me, where he said, you know, we're six or seven parts away from being done here. And I think, as I said in, in, in that, at that episode we recorded uh, earlier in March, where I said, you know, patience is the name of the game right now. And I understand the frustration that the, there doesn't seem to be positive movement in terms of, of making signings. And a lot of other teams have been a lot more trigger happy, or, I guess, yeah. mm -hmm. in terms of, of, of announcing signings. But you know, again, the Galaxy, this is a weird time to make signings. This is a weird market to make signings. This is a weird, you know, it's not just MLS that is kind of being globally affected by this weird time, you know, in terms of leagues. Like, mm -hmm. it's hard to negotiate nowadays. And so I think if bringing Grand Sears a, a, a big success, I, I don't know necessarily if Victor Vasquez as a starter makes sense. Um, I would uh. think that they brought him in as bench depth, as leadership depth, as a guy that, you know, can do you a job off the bench. Um, I think that's how I would use him personally. Uh, but, you know, Vanny knows him very well and Vanny worked with him in, in, in Toronto. And I think they've probably kept that line of communication open. And maybe who knows, you know, he could be the next, <laughs> the next uh, um, Sasha question where he plays until he's 40, you know, <laughs> that could be I a know, thing. Right? Um, but I, I like the moves they've made. You know, Jorge Villafania is a great move. I think that was a really smart bit of business to get him out of Portland, to bring him here. I think Grand Sears, a, a great bit of business. I think O'Neill Fisher as a depth signing makes a ton of sense. The, the homegrown players they've signed, you know, Saldana, Neil, Perez, Ferrancas, I think they all make brilliant sense. You know, they've got Cameron Dunbar. Hopefully, you know, he can take another step forward in his development. Danilo Acosta, you know, we're finally going to get a full season out of him. 
uh, unfortunately due to that uh, ACL tear that he suffered in that preseason game last season. Um, I, I like where this is going, and I, I really I don't think we're there yet. But if they can get Cabral over the line, maybe another striker, I think that's probably where they need to go next. I like the way that this is shaping up. I mean, we haven't really talked about Derek Williams because, but Derek Williams is a really good signing. Like, this is a good idea. He's an Irish, you know, he's played for Ireland. He's, you know, outside of, unfortunately, his injuries, you know, he's, everything I have, I have read about him has indicated to me that he's going to be very good. Uh, a very good signing moving forward. And I mean, he doesn't take up an international slot because he's got an American passport. You know, like th- that's a shrewd bit of business. You know, with Grand Seer, like that was a shrewd bit of business. They're not, you know, they're make- it does feel like the old galaxy where everyone kind of would say, oh, how did the galaxy get that done? Like, that's ridiculous. And we just had one of the best accounting departments in the league. It's like, it feels like that again, and almost, almost to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, that's the benefits to having Vanny as, as the coach. You know, this isn't just somebody... Um, you know, with with his own um, represent, you know, um, sorry, the uh, reputation, that's the word I was looking for, you know, that precedes him. This is somebody that you can actually see these these moves. You, you can trust him, you know. Um, again, we still have to see the guys take the pitch, um, and we will soon, soon enough. Um, and, you know, as you were saying with, with the patience, I thought of the tortoise and the hare story you know like this is slow and steady this time and and actually this is probably the best strategizing and it's the best for the galaxy actually to just kind of take it easy especially during a rebuild during another rebuild during you know while you're under construction i think that that it it would be a big red flag or real concern to say oh they're making really big moves and being flashy you know again the galaxy kind of just seem to be doing their thing and and making everybody else in MLS in a way try to try to keep up you know or try to to look at us and say okay the galaxy are still you know that's that's what we want with that that culture the building the culture up again and and being the top the top dog to still I mean even when uh, Vasquez did his video he's like you know I'm here to be you know still top part of the top teams and MLS and that and that's exactly what LA Galaxy still is um yeah so I I for one I'm looking forward to I mean preseason again you know they're still they're still in training but the, I mean there's only one way to start you got to start somewhere yeah and I think you know they, they've the moves they've made have been moves that I think I, I agree with you this concept of everything has to be slow that I, I and and I hope my, my one concern is that we haven't really given a lot of coaches a lot of time to build their vision. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. Shaloto wasn't given a lot of time. He wasn't given a lot of, you know, do, I mean, Siggy, you know, his situation was a little weird, but you know, he wasn't given a ton of time. Uh, Curtin Alpha was given no time whatsoever. I hope that they give Greg Vanny time. And I think that's the, that's my critical question here is, you know, are they going to give him the time to, make this happen and are they going to be understanding that this isn't going to happen overnight that this is going mm-hmm. to take time you know i'm I, there's so many players that they brought in that i'm excited to see you know i'm excited to see jonathan bond and goal i think he from everything i've seen and again limited video clips but everything i've seen he looks you know like a match winner of a, of a goalkeeper which we haven't had in years you know mm-hmm. Derek williams looks like a very serviceable and emergency center back in term or not emergency defending center back which i think the galaxy have lacked in, in years and 
you know, then it puts pressure on like guys like Nick Dupuy and, and Giancarlo Gonzalez to up their games. And you, know, you talk about, they also bring in Jalen Neal, you know, young 17 year old. He's going to be something that, you know, this is a learning opportunity for him. And then they bring in Jorge Villafania. That's a brilliant signing. Like everyone they've brought in, it finally feels like everyone they brought in, it doesn't feel like it's just like, a, hey, we got an opportunity to sign this guy, let's sign him. It feels like there is a framework around this in a way that I don't think I've seen in a couple of years. Yeah, and and it's coming up to a whole year since this pandemic hit. And to be able to say, oh, April 1st, they're going to be able to potentially let fans in. To be able to say, like, oh, yeah, they're going to go to Arizona, you know, that they're getting players um obviously still following protocol and everything on international duty and whatnot. Like this is to me, this is incredible. We have, we have a season so far, you know, hopefully things go so well. Cause unfortunately, you know, COVID is still a thing. Um, but if all things go well, I mean, we're set. We have, we have a schedule. And yeah, that's I mean, something that we probably weren't really sure of. Not, not that long ago. I, I think also what's, interesting about this team is that I, I don't think there's expectation around this team, if that makes sense. That I think, you know, obviously us Galaxy fans, we are a <laughs> a um, we demand a lot out of our club, as well as that. Yeah, um, as we should, but rightly, but yes, we are we are quite impatient and demanding. <laughs> right, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I think, you know, there's not a lot of pressure on this team to, you know, they just have to make the playoffs. Well, it's an expanded playoff format because of, you know, the whole entire season and whatever have you. Which doesn't, I don't want it to sound like the bar is low, like just make the playoffs. Like that's not what we're saying. We're saying, look at all the stuff that the, the galaxy have to go through and give Vanny his time. True. And I mean, honestly, this is a league where what 60% of the teams make the playoffs. I get it. It's easy to make the playoffs, but at the same time, I mean, you talk about teams like, you know, Colorado where making the playoffs is a big deal for that club. Like, you know, True, maybe our standards have shifted a little bit over the past couple of years, and maybe making the playoffs is something that should be celebrated nowadays for this club at at this present point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you know, all you have to do is make the play. Like Seattle, a couple of years back in I want to say 2017, remember that Seattle team that you know was was dead last in MLS in July, and then got to the playoffs yeah. and won MLS Cup. Now that being said, they won MLS Cup in about the ugliest fashion possible, but they did it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's all about just getting there. And once we just get there, then it's start, we start having a conversation about, like, well, maybe we can do it. And I think it's all about just getting there. And I think this team is built to get there. And I, I, I love every move they've made so far. Like, it, it does really feel weird to come into a, you know, uh, to start our season preview and be like, wow, I actually really like everything the Galaxy have done so far. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with legitimately every move they've made. And it's, it's refreshing in an odd sense because it's been a while since we've done that. Um, but every move they've, they've made has been a smart, well-thought-out move to make this team the best it possibly can be in 2021. And that's exciting. For sure. And there's always going to be some kind of complaint. You know what I mean? But it's like, nah, just give him a chance. Give him a chance. Um, let Vanny do his thing. Give him the time to do his thing. And I really think... I, I really think... I don't know. Should I say it? Am I going to jinx it? Like... <laughs> the galaxy the galaxy can be real contenders for mls cup especially over the next two three years so just hang in there i know like we got to be present and we got to be you know um have short-term memory as uh soccer fans and and look to the look to the training game on the 27th 
and then and then, I, then those matches in Arizona. This I is believe, mouthwatering. Yeah, I believe the Revs game as well is going to be televised on Spectrum. I believe I saw that somewhere. I'd have to double check on that. Um, so mm. if you get Spectrum Sportsnet, you will at least will at least get a an early kind of look into what the Galaxy, at least with what they have right now on hand in country, are going to look like come uh, opening day. I I'm so excited about this Galaxy team because they're finally trusting the kids, and I think that's been the one piece that's been missing about this Galaxy team because I've always, you know, I, I, I said it, my, my platonic ideal of an MLS club is, 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 FC, Daz, is, is, is FC Dallas, which is that a, a, a club that relies on its academy so well, sells it on, and is able to use that money to invest in the squad even harder. I want mm-hmm. to see that, but better because I think we have a better academy than they do. Um, and I think we're taking those first steps into becoming that club. Agreed, and that's what DeClose was all about as well. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis DeClosa was not necessarily brought in for the first team. Like, I, I don't think that was the case. I think Dennis DeClosa was brought in to um, streamline everything and put it all together, if that makes sense, that there is a clear pipeline from Academy to Los Dos to the Galaxy first team. That's the whole entire... That's why they brought him in, was for that purpose. And I mm-hmm. think they're starting... We're really finally starting to see that come together. Yeah. This is this is looking good. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back as soon as possible, which is looking like next week because um, yeah, preseason is is coming, and so is April. <laughs> <laughs> Super exciting. Super. All right. Thanks again. <laughs>